Do you use Chrome or do you use Safari? I still use Chrome. That's good-ish. Have you noticed that when that on the Mac, like in the past three months, you can't drag images to the desktop anymore? It only works like a quarter of the time. I can't say that's something that I often do, so I, I haven't noticed that, no. That's interesting. So that that implies that you don't have a folder inside your Dropbox called Adorable Dogs. Well, I, I own an adorable dog, so I don't really need to drag photos of other dogs from the internet. Well, you don't own him. You're, you're his human, and you, you happen to uh, provide food and shelter for him. I didn't mean to imply I own him. I just meant to imply that I don't, I don't need photos of other dogs. I have photos of him, and that's it. I, I, I have a folder dedicated to saved Instagram stories of Sporty being extra adorable. Yeah, well, that's, Sporty would be my He's another exception. dog. Yeah, there was a there was an elder golden at uh, Home Depot tonight, and I kind of wanted to say hi, but the, his his human looked like he was doing some stuff. He had one of those big uh, the Home Depot like the flatbed carts, not the mm, regular carts. So you you, mm-hmm. you know some shit's going down when someone's... <laughs> and he he has to go check out on that that far side of the store near the lumber department. Oh yeah, the <laughs> I always like that that one's called the pro department. Right. <laughs> I always think of oh, it has USB C and a touch bar, and then I laugh to myself, and probably nobody else will think that's funny. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think it's funny. Oh, okay, one out of three hundred twenty-three million. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, weird. Bran- I'm acting like the U.S. is the only one that matters. Yes, Branson. Uh, Branson has not made his first trip to Home Depot yet. Mm, I think he might need um, he might need more time because otherwise he would just go in the kitchen section and just plop down because he thinks somebody's gonna kill him. <laughs> he just he gets a little too excited around big groups of people so it, it's you know when the when the pros are trying to check out on that far side of the store he just you know he might get a little in the way mm-hmm. yeah, quite possibly all right so i have a couple couple things before we get started um oh should we click record this is where we we go on now actually I'm, I'm very tired so therefore i totally forgot if we actually already did that or not <laughs> um oh did we do I, I don't think we did the clap i think are you are you, are you recording nobody knows what the clap is Okay, I'll, I'll I'll figure this out in post. I guess it's 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 fine. It's it's Comcastic, so therefore there's no latency. <laughs> so you you're from Orange County, right? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be all over the place. So there's a good, there's a good uh, a blog called Brand New that uh, uh, this design firm does, um, and they review and they they make uh, posts and news stories about whenever there's a notable rebranding that happens. Um, and our hometown cable company is getting the world's lamest redesign. What's the what's the URL here? Did you, did you send this to me? Yeah, it's in your thing. Under underconsideration.com. That's a that's a good URL. Yeah, and they put on the brand new conference. And it's it's a really really if if you're into design um and branding and advertising, it's 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 a very good blog. Um but yeah, this is so Cox Communications that is that serves like Orange County Florida and Arizona and something else, I think, maybe. Uh, they're I probably think, like the sixth, right. the sixth largest cable company. They've had the same branding for like forever. And people will remember this because they, um, they Cox Channel 3 would uh, broadcast high school um, football games and stuff like that in Orange County. But it's a very, very bad, boring new logo. Well, hmm. okay. So I have some thoughts here. So first... On this under consideration link, which we'll put in the notes, it starts with a bit of a description about Cox Communications, established eighteen ninety eight. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, 
Is that when Ladera Ranch was made? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when they extended, uh, is it La Paz? No, Crown Valley out that way. Um, Do local people going to turn <laughs> um, I agree that the, the new logo is not great, but I would counter that by pointing out that the current logo is also not that great. So it's not as if they're taking a step back here. The current logo had retro charm. I don't think retro charm really plays these days, though. That's not that's Carlos. That's not really what the kids are into now. When you're a regional cable company, I think that's 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 your your currency. Is mm. is, is a funky logo that was designed in 1998 that was meant to look like it was designed in 2005. So where does Xfinity fit into that? I don't feel like that's got much retro charm. Xfinity. Well, okay, that's that's a good segue to not a topic we were planning to talk about, but. You made a good point, uh, I think like a month ago, that you, and I think this happens to a lot of people, is that Comcast actually managed to effectively make people sometimes forget that Comcast and Xfinity are the same thing. Well, and so here, yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I've been wanting to talk about this on the show. So the specific moment that reminded me of this, but then also... um, made me think of a topic I wanted to bring up here is there and follow me here. This gets off to a little bit of a weird start, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. so this was a, uh, there was a new Grinch movie that came out, I think around Thanksgiving time this year. Mm -hmm. And it was a, um, a universal, uh, produced or distributed movie. So it falls under the, uh, NBC Comcast umbrella. (laughs) And so the commercial kind of started out as like a regular commercial for the movie, but then it transitioned into this thing that you could do if you had a Xfinity X1 box where you could speak into your remote, because I guess like the new version allows you to do voice control. And it was advertising that you could literally speak into your X1 remote, hey, I want to buy tickets to The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and then it would allow you to, to do so. And that just like, it's a silly kind of thing, but like, it just made me really realize like, holy crap, like that is just like monopoly galore (laughs) where your TV provider is advertising a movie that they also produced and is allowing you to buy tickets to said movie through the cable service that you have because you don't have any other, it's just, yeah, it's, it gets kind of complicated, I think. I think that. Uh, Andrew Carnegie would talk would would say that's effective vertical integration. <laughs> he probably is it, is, would. Is it yeah. vertical or horizontal? I forget which one it is. And maybe both. <laughs> so it's just okay. Diagonal um, vertical integration. I don't know. You need a pivot table to make it work. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. you. That's right. Um, yeah, you do a V lookup. <laughs> yeah. Or an L or an H lookup. You can do that too. Speaking of vertical versus horizontal. But you don't even use that. Isn't, aren't you supposed to be using like if statements? And there's some other there's some other modern thing that people are are saying that I've I've used H lookup once or twice, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, not 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 often. So yeah, so that's the thing where like because people remember because because it, it's weird because in the mid two thousands, like NBC, like General back when NBC was a General Electric company merged with universal which merged with vivendi which somehow bought dreamworks and bought like a ton of stuff and then somehow like nbc and nge fell on hard times and gc ge continues to fall on hard times um and then uh comcast scooped them up and now you just you're you're at the movies 
and you just see like every preview starts with some movie studio, a Comcast company right below it. They just own everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they want to be a media company or something. Hmm, maybe. I know other companies that want to do that and don't succeed at that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's weird. And that's the... But yeah, Xfinity was a really stupid brand um, that is still kind of a dumb brand, but effectively managed to separate itself from the parent for the most part. Because you will probably remember that there was the um, the the vaunted uh, It's Comcastic mm. uh, <laughs> advertising campaign of uh, the late 2000s. And I think that that was really that that got away from them. And that became, I think, what the kids call a meme. And, and now that it's uh, Xfinity, I actually think that's a it's it's a dumb name, but it it works like they have the Xfinity mobile thing. They have like it, you have the Xfinity home service. Like, how, how would you I don't know. It just seems so weird that they're now like a viable competitor to, to Brinks or ADT or whoever the people are that do that thing. Yeah, Xfinity, Xfinity home's surprisingly good. I, there hasn't. I mean, there's not really a lot to talk about because it, I mean, it's just a home security system, and it it does what you expect it to do. But their iOS app is very, very nicely done. It's very reliable, and it's incredibly cheap when you bundle it with your cable service. So yeah, that's that's the actually as much as you want to hate Comcast. Like, have you have you ever used the Xfinity Stream app on your phone? Oh yeah, definitely. That's surprisingly competent. Like it, I know, it, yeah. It, like it's better than YouTube TV or Sling or any of those other things. I don't know. Like it, it certain parts of Comcast are like weirdly effective and well run, and in the like reliability of the service is actually pretty good. It's just like the customer service, maybe. I don't know. Like it's part of it is super new and part of it is super stodgy. I don't know. I mean the. The folks who have come out here to the house to do the initial setup of the TV and home security were totally nice and and did a I thought fine job. And I mean I we feel like we've said this a million times on the show, but I think our cable bill ends up being something like 150 or 160 bucks a month, and that that includes you know TV, internet, home security, and the TV includes you know a couple of extras like HBO and the sports and entertainment package. And I, you know, I feel like that's money well spent every month. The internet's fast and reliable. It, you know, I'm amazed they continue to support cable card and, and, and the TiVo. <laughs> I'm just, I'm waiting for the day where that goes away. I think I is, I, I assume it's, it's not a big thorn in their side right now. And, and that's the other thing where X1, uh, it, it just seems so weird that they put so much effort behind it, thinking that they're not like a nationwide company. Like they are, but they're not like DirecTV where a, anybody could be a customer. Like they need to be the regional monopoly for that to work. But no, like, so it's it's weird. And, and as long as you renegotiate your rate and get whatever promo thing you were back on, because it's not supposed to be 160 it's supposed to be like $280. So you have to do the whole, yeah, I don't know, I'm not watching TV as much as I used to type song and dance every 12 to 18 months. But Yeah, the, uh, Jason on Upgrade either this week or last, I think it was last week, brought up an idea that terrifies me, which is when they eventually start rolling out 4K content on a more frequent basis, I'm afraid they're going to do like what they did with the Olympics, where they're going to lock it into their X1 box, or you know, meaning that you have to have their X1 box in order to view that content in 4K. And that's oh, going to be... Oh, they totally are. That's going to be the end of the TiVo. Well, it's just because one, the current gen well, one TiVo is a dead company. 
and it, and it pains me to know that, but but uh, Rovio or Rovi, whoever whoever bought it, like their heart's not in it. They're they're a patent company that's trying to license some stuff, and and TiVo just is not getting traction. So that it's it's a dead product, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, like they're just not going to re because it's it's a they would have to do like a new generation of cable card, and because cord cutting and over the top services and streaming are such big things compared to when cable card was uh, first developed, like. Nobody is going to care to do that, and the regulatory agencies are not going to care about protecting any form of competition, so therefore that's you know that's not going to happen yeah i think I think sadly that's right, but I'm going to continue to enjoy the TiVo while I can, although the little the axe I need to grind with them now is and I mean nobody's ever accused their mobile app of being great, but it doesn't support the new iPad Pro screen resolutions. So Dude, didn't you say that it didn't support the iPhone 10 for like nine months? Well, it does now, finally. Oh, and it was way longer than that. <laughs> so, so then I think your 11-inch iPad Pro is 2022. Yeah, probably. Um, which kind of makes viewing content on that screen not great. Because if you're watching letterbox content, which basically everything is now, you're getting... You know, the screen crops not only vertically like you'd expect, but also on the <laughs> sides. <laughs> so you're you're using about 40% of your screen, which is great. So it's like a real player in 1990. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, just, I hope they make a, like a Hot Wheels version of this Cox Communications uh, semi-truck. Bringing us closer. This just looks like a parody. <laughs> anyway. It does kind of um, look like a is like it looks like just a bad Photoshop job. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. This this is this is all kind of like yeah. the logo itself. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's mainly it. All right. Uh, it's been a big week, or we have a couple of big uh topics to to be flustered and angry about. So let's. <laughs> I think mostly me because I'm irrationally upset about one particular thing. Um. So yeah. So what do we have in follow up? Uh, the follow-up. Okay, so but you don't want to get good and angry here in the beginning. You want to start with the the easier stuff. Well, actually, let, let me let me ease into this. So let me can I can I make a couple of complaints? Well, actually, it's not easing into it. Can we talk about Amazon Four Star? I yeah, I was gonna say that I I thought we talked about this on the show, but this could be a classic example of me getting our offline online conversations <laughs> mixed up with the show. So we talked about it. Wait, no, did we talk about this? I don't think we did. I, I talked about... I, so I was thinking about this when I was putting together the thing yesterday. I talked about my Amazon Go impressions on the show, but I don't think you've talked about your Amazon four-star impressions on the show. I think I remember now that I sent you a picture of uh, uh, Joanna Gaines's book in the Amazon four-star, and then you sent me a picture of it it on your coffee table and that, that's yes. where that was left off but you started but the first picture you sent you're bearing the lead here the first picture you sent was an item that i think was like was oh, like 3.4 well, hold stars on. or something okay, so here's, here's where we're going okay so greatly confused to, me to, to, to recap amazon four star is yet another retail concept from amazon and um first they did the amazon bookstore uh which is kind of which is the thing that's in san jose and seattle and a couple other places then they did the Amazon Go thing, which that's that's a different type of thing. But now they have Amazon Four Star, which I guess is an evolution of the Amazon Bookstore thing. Uh, but quick thing is that at Amazon Bookstores, 
you can do returns of items without having to pay return shipping, you cannot do that at an Amazon four-star location, which seems to make no, no sense whatsoever. The only way to do no-cost returns in the Bay Area is to go to um, to a, a store within a cam- the campus library at Berkeley. Well, maybe you can only return items that are rated four stars or above. So that's the thing. So that's the whole <laughs> conceit of Amazon four star is that everything inside the store is four stars. And then I'm too lazy to scroll back in the in the Slack chat log, but I forget what I sent you, but it was obviously 3.3 stars. And then also with that is, I guess maybe there's like a product placement thing going on inside of these stores. Cause I mean, you know, Amazon's all about their money. Um, inside the four star thing, they have like prime no, not prime what's what's another they've killed the meaning of that word what what's another like marquee space inside of the store was devoted to the um facebook portal thing and uh when i looked it up facebook portal had like 2.8 stars on amazon so that's obviously them abandoning uh the whole concept because um they want facebook's money so I so I've done the the heavy lifting here and I've gone back in our Slack logs and have looked at the photo that you sent me and and you had provided me a photo of the I don't know how to pronounce this Singled it's S E N G L E D Element Color Plus Smart LED bulb and it's three point seven stars so I I guess. I guess it's Amazon four star and then in parentheses rounded up. Mm-hmm. Are they grading um, on a curve? That's that's what everything everything's about these days. The other thing, the other thing that stands out to me too is it's three point seven stars with only a hundred and five reviews. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it would take very little effort to perhaps game the system in such a way where your product could appear in the store. Getting a hundred and five four-star reviews on Amazon doesn't seem like that would be very hard. seems like there's some money that could be thrown at that to ensure that would happen. Yeah, but JoJo's book only has 119 reviews. Yeah, but that just came out. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah, don't talk it... ill of JoJo. I'm not talking ill about her, although the title of the book is Homebody is a term that people who don't like uh, being social use, and, and it's more of she's uh, she enjoys creating uh, loving, lovingly warm spaces at home that have a rustic feel that's different. But yeah, so the, the, the thing that, so it's a weird store. It's, it's kind of cluttered and cramped. I don't know if it's just the Berkeley location um, or if I'm just bummed that they closed the crate and barrel outlet, but like it, it's, it's, it's whatever. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this is the future of retail. I don't think Amazon will give a shit about it in two months or sorry, in two years. And yet the, the Facebook portal thing was so weird. Um, just cause why would they, why would they carry that if they have Echo Show and Echo Spot and all the other stuff that they have? Like with Apple's deal that they did with Amazon, where they're going to now sell Apple stuff, um, like officially, like shipped and sold by Amazon, they managed or they chose to exclude the uh, exclude exclude the HomePod because that would overlap with uh, their Echo family of devices. Yet they have this Facebook portal thing. Yeah, so that's that. So the other piece of follow-up that I want to hear from you about is giving the iPad another shot. Or, you know, as you're famous for saying, you, you've been marinating on the idea of using the iPad more. 
Is this something you're ready to talk about? Is this something that needs to, again, as you would say, marinate for another couple of weeks? Well, the marinating, marinating thing was only a joke because you, you finally got yourself a sous vide machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's fine. Like, I keep wanting to use the iPad more only because, like, it, it it's a really nice, compa- like, size to take with me, like, whenever I'm, like, doing photography stuff. And because um, there's a uh, software uh, program that's been iPhone exclusive for a very long time called Darkroom, you can go to it at darkroom.co. And it's really good, and it's a good raw editor as well. But um, and and they're making a new version, uh, which should be out in a week or so. Uh, that I've been beta testing, and it's uh, really good on the iPad. And I've been trying to use that as an excuse to have myself use the iPad more. But yeah, I still don't like it. iOS still has so many weird limitations. Where, like, if I want to use this app, I still have to use the lightning to sd card reader adapter import a bunch of gigantic raw files into my photo library that i might not need and kind of clutter that whole thing up just so i can access them inside this app rather than just being able to plug in the camera and just edit everything directly like as a a real computer so it 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 seems like if apple were to change the way that not just photos, but I think files in general are managed on the iPad that it would it really would become a realistic mobile photo editing device. It absolutely for you. would. Because when mm-hmm. I think about the reason why I think the iPad is bad as a computer for how I use computers, is that it tries to pretend like the file system doesn't exist. And even though they made this kind of half-assed uh, files app it still just isn't that way every app tries to pretend that the files that exist in it are the only files that have ever existed and it always tries to force you to use iCloud um, iCloud Drive which I don't really trust not like from a privacy perspective but just a reliability and openness perspective where Dropbox runs on everything and is rock solid like it's just that obfuscation of the file system that makes it like a complete non-starter where if i wanted to do this like i would want to know that i could just plug in either an sd card reader or plug in the camera directly be able to access the files directly in darkroom or lightroom unaffiliated apps and then be able to just do stuff and send those files in between applications without having to do a bunch of weird incantations and try to just make ios be functional is darkroom the type of app that you'd use the apple pencil for you don't need to because it's not like generally with like photo editing or at least the way I do it. Like I'm not really drawing, like I'm not like applying adjustments in that way. Like normally, hopefully the photo is decent enough where you don't need to make specific edits to very specific points of um, the photograph. So, I mean, it might like, I mean, if I had the, like the iPad that you have and I had the second gen pencil that is clipped to the side of it, like that might be nicer for like a precision input thing for navigating like the toolbars and stuff um but yeah probably not Hmm, okay so no it's like so i I felt like that would have been a really unique use case for this and for it to work well but and there's a lot to like about it but it's really just that the file the just the way ios handles files is just not good and not sufficient for what almost anybody does so Sorry, that's 
projecting like for people who deal with a lot of files like if you're just if you're like if you're writing or like working on a single project and you only really work with like a handful of files every day then i'm sure like file like the files app is totally fine but if you're working with a lot of images or a lot of documents and stuff like that like it, it just becomes really tedious and annoying really 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 fast and i, I just don't think that's going to change and hopefully ios 13 is better about it but i just i i don't know if apple actually thinks that's what they want for ios because that definitely eliminates a lot of or it adds a lot of complexity that the product maybe is not that's not something they want for it i i think i'm kind of just thinking about this in real time but it it almost feels like a lot of what we've talked about with comparing the mac to the ipad and whether or not we'd be able to ever use something like an ipad for our you know day-to-day work really comes down to file management Mm mm-hmm because with like, you know, if I think about the Mac, what I'm doing basically all day, every day is stuff in the Finder. And obviously, yep. you know, you then take things out of the Finder into something like Excel or Word or, you know, whatever. But the core is Finder. And not having something like Finder basically makes a device not usable for me day to day. That is 1 billion percent right. And I think that's something that like we've both struggled to articulate in this whole like, because I I, I think I'm very anti-iPad. And I think you're also on that plane in terms of using the iPad for stuff other than consumption, because the way that it handles files and doesn't have a functional way to um, deal with them is, is the problem. Like where if I'm working on something where, let's say like I'm, I'm, I'm working on something website or like let's pretend i'm I'm doing my 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 bullshit uh restaurant website and i'm i open something up in illustrator and then i send it over to photoshop and then i want to um put it on squarespace i have to use four like on the mac that's four separate applications but it is so so simple to take that file in between four separate applications and just work on it like nothing ever happened where if you try to do that on ios every single time you switch apps is a five-minute process and you can't trust that the app will still be there when you go back to it whereas on the mac that's totally not that's it's it's you wouldn't bat an eye you'd think it was the world's weirdest thing if you couldn't open one a a file in multiple applications or you have to spend hours and painstakingly making a shortcut which you know i I greatly respect what federico vatici does and what and what jason snell does but and I mean, no, I I really do. I mean, I I I understand your you know disagreement with them, but but I think the work they do is really fascinating. But I I just at its core, I don't get it because it feels like they're very much solving for a problem that doesn't exist. Like basically, everything that they're creating shortcuts for can already be easily done on the Mac, and so kind of like reverse engineering what can already be done on the mac and trying to squeeze that into ios just that i i just i just don't i can't connect with why you'd want to do that i agree and just but the reason why i have such like a just like a viscerally negative reaction to that is because like you're doing so much work to make something 80 percent as functional as something that is actually that already exists 
Like I, I just I, I'm not sold on whatever alleged productivity benefits there are, or like why something will be more pleasant to use that you're willing to try to learn Perl and scripting and JavaScript and stuff to make something that would be three clicks on the Mac happen and you have to use Siri or do some weird funky stuff on the iPad just to make that happen. Like I I, I respect like the challenge and kind of like that type of thing, but I just don't like in a in a getting work done type thing, like I I I maybe don't respect like I I get that that's some people's preferred computing tool, but like I I just I, it just seems it seems like madness to me. It's almost like if if Apple like that, let's pretend that they never created you know Mac OS or OS X as you would say, and instead let's say that they were the ones who created Windows. And so their current yeah, offering, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the whole, oh God. but, but follow me here. So <laughs> pr- pretend that, you know, they're the ones who distribute and create, you know, computers with windows, but then they also offered iOS. Then it would make a lot of sense to me that maybe you were someone who just really didn't care to use windows and much preferred iOS as your primary operating system. But the fact that Apple creates these really, really great laptops and desktops with a what I still consider to be a very good operating system in Mac OS, it, that's where it just it like it, across the board with the, let's let's just take like a traditional MacBook Pro as an example. The hardware is phenomenal, you know, beautiful screen. It's really light. It's really portable. I already said that I think Mac OS is still a, a, a great operating system. So like across the board, it just doesn't really feel like there's a need to move off of that platform. Like I guess like in addition to like the kind of boiling it all down to whether or not a device has a finder or not, like the other really just like simple statement I would make is like, I, I just, I think Mac computers in general are really good good and and mac os is still really good (laughs) so i just don't really know why there's like this hunger to move off of it like that's that's what i don't get like especially someone like jason like i just don't really understand like someone like him who's so ingrained in the mac and is such an expert on the mac like i just don't get why he wants to transition a lot of his work off of the mac like like what he talks about with moving his podcast editing out of logic into ferrite like i just i just don't get that because as someone who edits a you know a mostly weekly podcast in logic (laughs) like that's 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 a that's a perfectly good workflow and i just don't understand why someone want it would want to do it differently I, i i just don't get it you you said a whole heck of a lot there so like one you have to ask yourself the question does apple wish the mac no longer existed like do they wish that the ipad was the computer for 95 percent of people and to be honest i think they do i think there was a point in time like where when when they when steve jobs was on the like in his lounge chair in in 2011 or whatever and, and just like hey let's let's read the daily the the news corp magazine not the new york times podcast like that 
I I think when that originally started out, they were like, "This is a this is a consumption thing." Maybe people use uh, use it to draw and do some stuff, but it's mainly a consumption thing. And then I think there was this two to three year period in the mid two thousand tens. Is that what we call this decade? That they were like, "Well, you know, like actually, we don't let's not spend a lot of time on the Mac and let's see where this goes with with iPad and is this a thing that people can use." And I think there are some very specific use cases that you can paint a picture about that people would think, yeah, the iPad's pretty good. But it's whenever you try to do anything with it that it kind of, like like if you try to do anything outside of the most basic stuff, that it falls apart. And I I can understand kind of for the proponents of it why they might like it because I, th- I think the the like just the slate form factor is in something that's instant on and has cellular built into it and god knows i've been somebody who's complained for a decade and a half that how does os 10 not have proper support for like cellular networking inside of it like i think there's a ton of advantages to having an ipad um and that type of thing but i just think that Apple can't decide whether or not they want to actually make it a mature product, or maybe they just don't know how to make it a mature product. Maybe like there's there's teams on the inside that think that just making it more fully featured or putting like putting some type of finder inside of it or having some type of windowing environment on it, like that if that destroys the product and they just won't let that happen. Or maybe they try it and it's just they're like, okay, we're just recreating the same thing and it's just now um it runs on ARM. Like I I just don't know what their strategy is. And the people that really like it, like I get the fact that like 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 Jason will talk about that he likes that he can write in kind of like a distraction free environment and he can use it in like a vertical orientation, so it's like a piece of paper. Like in stuff like that. Like I I totally get that, but I I, I just I don't. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about the iPad as computer a billion times. Like, I, I just don't get it. And I think iOS twelve and the new iPad hardware. Like, I, I don't think that makes it any closer to the reality. I think the iPad Pro hardware is is amazing, but I think the software still lets it down. And even though there's a ton of potential for it, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I I agree, but I think the the slightly different angle that I'm kind of getting at here is. I I just struggle why there's even the desire to want to make this change. Like I guess because I don't I don't get the impression that people like Jason and Federico Vitici like hate the Mac. It's not like they want to run away from it. Like I just I feel like I feel like sometimes there's this like especially in the kind of T word circle or bubble. There's like always this desire to want something new instead of just being content with what you have which is like i i, I kind of get it sometimes like I, i'm probably guilty of that sometimes but like i just just speaking personally like i i i don't have any strong desire to move off of the mac like i'm perfectly happy using my macbook pro every day with mac os like I, there's, you know, there's minor things I would like to see improved and changed, but overall it's not a platform that I'm like trying to get away from. So that's, that's the part of it that I, I think that, or it, I should say it's, it's another part of this that I just don't, don't really connect with. 
Yeah, and I, I know you've fallen away from listening to the talk show, but I think whenever this comes up, like John Gruber is actually really spot on about it, where he's somebody who very, very, very much um, is unfailingly positive about Apple stuff. But he will be like, if 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 you could say, I, I, he, I forget when, oh, like what recent show he said this on, but he's like, if you told me, like held a gun to my head and said, you can only have one Apple product, what would it be? He's like, every single time it's going to be a Mac. Because like, does it, the Mac as a computing platform is just so powerful and, and easy to work with in so many ways and comprehensive for the way people do things. Like, it depends on your work and such, but like, that that like if I had to use an Android phone or like some whatever actually is there any, I don't think there's anything else but Android these days but like I I would much rather move to a Pixel and use a um and just not have a tablet versus somebody saying that I couldn't have a Mac so I don't know that's where like I I I appreciate that like there are other devices out there and that a lot of people like the iPad but I just I don't. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily understand the desire or like this like weird like challenge thing to make the iPad shoehorn to whatever they actually do. Right. Especially for a lot of things where where <laughs> they're every time they're like, yeah, we're uh, like I'm I here's how I've extended the iPad to make it a better computer platform for me. Everything they do is they're trying to make it a laptop. Like they're they're trying to make it basically like a weird touch Mac, and 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 trust me, like I've I've people can go back to episode twenty or something on the show where I've talked about like kind of this weird dream of just having kind of like a Microsoft Surface style Mac where you make some optimizations to and, and here's the thing, Apple's great at software uh, a lot of the time that they could just make a lot of enhancements and maybe rethink certain parts of OS ten that made it um usable with a pen or like strictly just like finger touch input and stuff and you would still have almost all the power of the mac in a touch form factor like that would be the ultimate machine for me where instead of having to use a keyboard and mouse all the time like i could just get my third generation apple pencil like slide the screen down and just use lightroom and like in a really really direct way like that would be amazing but in this current state of where it's just a the world's biggest chore to get raw files off a camera onto an iPad and actually do anything useful with them. That's not that user interface advantage is totally destroyed by everything else. that's way worse about it. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So that was a good follow up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, let's burn to uh, burn through the two other things. Uh, You put a thing in here about a story where uh, Apple pay is being accepted at certain target locations only in certain San Francisco locations? Yeah, I guess it's a limited rollout in San Francisco for now, but appears to be pointing towards Target fully embracing Apple Pay in general, which, you know, similar to, I think it's, it was what, CVS we've talked about on the program. Mm-hmm. They, they were, you know, or like even I think Best Buy at some point, it said they were not going to use Apple Pay, but now they do. Um, it just kind of continues this trend where, like, you know, I feel like Upgrade has... Um, upstream where they continue continually talk about you know apple's media endeavors i feel like the the little corner that we could have had was just like companies who initially didn't embrace apple pay but then who eventually do like that would that could have just been a running segment for us um 
And it like it really like, you know, as someone who I recently just had a, a credit card compromise and had oh, a no. fraudulent charge on it. And it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a car that I had set up with a ton of auto pay accounts, fortunately. Um, but just, you know, a, a perfect example of how a system like Apple Pay is kind of just it's a no brainer where you're not actually passing your real credit card number through. You know, it, it's it's more secure. It's easier to use. It just it just seems like something that everybody should embrace, especially in this case, Target. I mean, they they should have been the first ones to embrace something like this. So it's it's kind of crazy that it's it's taken them this long. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I do think like yeah, mobile payments definitely could be the could be the thing. We have to think of a pithy name and uh, a pithy name for it. But um, on this note, can I can I bring up something tangentially related? Please. So here's something I keep forgetting to to bring up or to to post uh, is that so w- when I was in the UK uh, a couple months ago, uh, and this should be coming through on Slack right now, I saw the most brilliant thing in the world, where inside a museum, there was a little thing where you could use uh, a contactless credit card or NFC to make a donation to the museum. Hmm. And it just seems like so so. So over there, like you know, in in pre Brexit times, we don't know how things are now. Okay, it's it's, it's too bad that Brexit's going to take all these away, but uh, yeah, give it to the Germans. Yeah, um, <laughs> like that was just so smart because there's so many times where I'm like, actually, yeah, like like I would like to donate to whatever this is, or pay for this, or do anything like that, where just the friction of having to have cash or even pull out like a regular credit card and do like the chip thing and wait twenty seconds, like that's just not like that's. I sound like a horrible person, but like that's just too much friction. We're just like being able to like just double click your watch and be like, yeah, like this is a great cause or this is a good thing. Well, let's let's do that. This is just so smart, and I don't understand why this isn't a thing in the U.S. No, yeah, yeah, really that's cool. that's pretty great. Yeah, I don't know what the weird squiggly symbol in front of the five is, but yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the last bit was, oh, oh yeah, the, 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 uh, Pand- uh, Pandora is, um, leaning into, to podcasting as a medium. Yes. It, it's, we've been talking about it in the, uh, theoretical form for a long time now, but podcasts are now a fully featured, uh, form of media in the Pandora app. I have not yet tried it, although I noticed that, the last time I opened the Pandora app to, of course, listen to the Michael Buble holiday <laughs> radio station, uh, they, they are very much featuring podcasts now or something they really want me to listen to. Um, but again, as, as we've discussed on the show, I am just simply not in the market for more podcasts. <laughs> I need I need fewer podcasts. So the idea of discovering more shows is just not something that i that i need yeah i i I don't i don't really get this from pandora like i think spotify gets to get away with it because spotify is is really really good but i think pandora already has like they have a they have an amazing thing with radio like it it, it is still world class and it is it's it's the best and they're doing their thing with um with pandora premium or whatever the on-demand ten dollar a month thing is but do they finally have like a native iPad app? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, Pandora Premium initially was a phone only service, but it's it's out across the board now: tablet, phone, web, but not Mac or Windows. 
no yeah no no native desktop app but like i think like that's it, it since apparently like they think they've juiced everything they can out of um like the the five dollar a month radio subscription and they're all about the ten dollar a month thing like it seems like they need to be focusing on that like i think pandora or, or that spotify gets to play around with podcasts as being like a, a integrated part of it i just i don't see the value add for pandora and i just i don't with the like the length of podcasting and the time investment in really liking a show, even if their recommendation engine is really good, I, I just don't see how that that's a compelling thing. And to uh, kind of bring this full circle back to the beginning of the show, I just, I just sent you a link to the 9 to 5 Mac article that'll be in the notes. Mm-hmm. This kind of banner that Pandora is using, which says try all new podcasts on pandora from why a branding those, from a branding perspective it, yeah is just incredibly complicated and why does podcast why is it in the same font as cats the musical yeah like I mean, it, it, just, it doesn't it doesn't match like and that's a thing where just like it's not it's like i'm getting really frustrated and i'm not going to go off on a tangent like just like companies that are doing like stay in your lane like Nate Silver and Claire Malone have it right. Like I mean, to like st- stop doing stuff that y- y- isn't what you do, because you're not. Like I'm sorry, you're they're not going to be the best at this, and it detracts from all the other stuff they're going to do. It's just going to make Pandora a weird, cluttered app even more so than it already is. And I love Pandora, but like it just it just not not knock it off. And that well, and it, like I I agree. I think the, the kind of stay in your lane thing is 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 spot on and similar to that. What I would say, which I've said before, is stuff like this presumably has to go through you know quite a few levels of review and it's 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 remarkable to me that something like what we're looking at here was allowed to be released yeah like and and here's the thing i I, like pandora hire me i i would have given i would have basically made the same thing you made and we would be three taps basically in the app you have a button that said podcast and then the next screen says listen to daily and then you're done that's it. Like you, you don't need it. Like it, this is not. Ha- this doesn't have to be a thing. You know, I have a Siri shortcut now through Overcast. Oh dear. That's just play the daily, and it's it's a great way to start the day. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's kind of the the one good use. Well, one of two good uses for Siri shortcuts. The other one is <laughs> I oh so. Even though uh, we've knocked on, actually, not, uh, based off our feedback on upgrade, the one thing I will say that that's that was pretty cool the past couple of weeks is that um, Mike Hurley from from Upgrade has a uh, Siri shortcut that's just just like turn on Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. And then <laughs> the comment about turn off Christmas. I was literally walking to the office this morning while listening to that walking just you know walking in the street and i just i like literally laughed out loud <laughs> yeah and then also he said he couldn't uh use turn on the tree because it it interpreted his wife's accent as <laughs> that was yeah good times pretty good also going back to the pandora thing on the screenshots they're showing i i, I it's so weird that th- one that they uh, are using an iphone 8 as the reference design instead of a current generation iphone because you know apple's all about the edge-to-edge screen yeah, and but that the, but that makes a lot of sense when you think about Pandora. But that's, <laughs> being three years behind on everything, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to edit that out. 
<laughs> no, we'll, um, we'll, we'll leave that in. That's fine. It's been it's been long enough. You can, you can email it to Tim. <laughs> um, other Tim, Tim W. Oh, um, right. Not not Tim C. Tim C has his own problems. Um, but also that on these screenshots, uh, the carrier is P. Get out of here. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay, that's actually that's the one. No, good it's thing a bad touch. <laughs> it's a very bad touch. And also, they're using Apple's whole guidance of nine forty one as the timestamp. That's that's a that's getting a little tired. But it's, yeah, P is a little much. What is what is nine forty one? Is that that's a thing where if you've ever noticed on every Apple screenshot, they have design guidelines where nine forty one is the minute that the iPhone was introduced. It was that early in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's a nine a.m. event, and Tim uh, or Tim. Steve talked about the internet communicator video iPod. Are you yeah, getting yeah, that yeah. thing? No, yeah, I, I remember. I remember watching it. I, I didn't remember that was a nine AM thing though. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's back oh. when events happened on the best coast. Um, yeah, and then also on Macs, like the, that's why every Mac menu bar, like if you go to apple.com, I don't know if they still make Macs anymore. But oh, sorry, don't go to apple.com because it'll tell you you can get an iPhone XR for four forty nine. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get, get to that. But every every Mac will have the same time on the OS ten screenshots. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. So let's. Uh, what, 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 so we we're, we're out of follow up. Um. We we got I mean we we kind of segue towards it we we got to talk about the Apple stuff. Okay, so what happened in Apple? <laughs> well, so I'm I'm you know I'm literally on Apple.com now, and as you said, iPhone 10R from 4.99 asterisk. That's a really good price point. That's very aggressively priced. So I, I feel like I just I kind of need to just let you loose here. No, no, I. I... I'm the wrong person to ask for for various reasons, uh, for certain in, insidery things or just stuff like it, this. This this is so this makes me so irrationally mad because for for a few things. So can you just give me give me a brief overview? Why is this bad? Or or why why as a as a person who is just a, a fan or an observer of Apple, why do you think this is problematic? To use the word of 2018, because I feel like this is purposefully misleading. That's what I keep coming back to. Like, I am all for creative marketing ideas. And I, in, in a lot of ways, like Apple, you know, they, marketing-wise, they are incredibly creative and, and, and innovative, I would say, in a lot of ways. I think they're, you know, well, not they're putting aside things like what's a computer. They, you know, they've, they've had some stumbles along the way. But in general, I think their marketing is highly, highly effective. I mean, it sure as, it sure as hell works on me a lot of the time. Yeah, they got you to buy a new iPhone because Wi-Fi didn't work on your old one. <laughs> there you Sorry. go. Or the, you know, an iPad that had a screen that was half an inch bigger. Um, <laughs> um, but this, this, this is different. I mean, to, on your homepage, call out a price... That has to be, yeah, that has to be kind of caveated. Is that a word? Caveated? Maybe. That just doesn't seem right. So, so exactly right. So here's the thing. So people, people are under the impression that Apple's an exceptional company, that Apple is special. 
that Apple is like that they're better than everybody else. Is that is that out of line? Like it, it, just in the sense that Apple's always like no, like like Microsoft and, and Samsung icky. They they like Microsoft allows people to have bloatware on their computers, and and Apple would never do that. And Apple is all about customer experience, and we're making the best product, and we're not letting price or materials or external influences affect the beautiful thing that we're making. And we're gonna put it for a nice round number, and we're gonna we're gonna let people buy it, and and people are gonna line up and and say shut up and take my money. And that's been the Apple that's existed for a really long time, which is great. And everybody, including myself, we've we've all made. Tim Cook's Apple jokes, and you, you get the slide uh, in the iPhone keynote where there's fucking seven different iPads, and the iPad Mini Two is still hanging out doing something there, and you, and you just you're like, eh, it's Tim Cook's Apple. They want diversity at every price point, and, and and all that shit. And then, but normally, Apple still stuck to the whole, you know what? Like, here's our new flagship thing. This is the product that we believe is the best we could make this year, and it costs this much, and we're going to do our best to educate you on why it's great, and we hope you come to the store and buy it. And it has a price. And Apple has always been exceptionally good at that. Whether or not you think they're making the best products, like God knows I've had my issues with some of the Macs recently and, and things like that. And also, I'm pr- like people should take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt just because I'm somebody who is really opposed to how expensive the new iPhones have gotten. Like just like where I, I felt like the iPhone at 650 for a while, like that generally was considered a premium price point. And then Apple was like, you know what? Fuck it. No, 999. And then tennis max at $1,100. Like just, they, they keep driving it up. And if you look at the iPad, the iPad pros, they are exceptionally powerful, beautiful tablet computers, but they're also insanely expensive so that's all fine please please keep that in context for this but the problem with this thing if you go to apple.com is that i think this is beneath them and also it feels like something that best buyer target would do like that like apple never has ever wanted to give the impression that they discount stuff it's the same reason why Apple doesn't have Black Friday sales. They don't ever cut the prices of their computers or that kind of stuff. Whenever they're doing something like that, they'll always be like, oh, yeah, it's it's Black Friday. Go buy this MacBook Pro for regular price, and we'll give you a $50 iTunes store gift card. Like, they never actually discount the actual product because they feel that um, cheapens it a little bit, actually, on the nose, like, actually, literally and figuratively. So when you go to Apple.com and it says iPhone XR, from four forty nine for a product that has a list price that you will pay taxes on from seven forty nine you would think like that's weird, and the way like in in on the website all screen design longest battery life of any iPhone, and then on the third line, trade in your current iPhone, so it doesn't even say that it's required to do it. it's just that they're lumping in the assumed trade in value of the last expensive pile of aluminum that you bought from Apple as a way to reduce the cost of this next device. And I just feel like that is so weird for Apple to do because it's they're this brand that's supposed to be so have such clarity in the product marketing and the amount of things that they choose to do. The whole 
dumb thing of for every yes, there's 10,000 no's or whatever Tim said. Like, I just feel like th this is just such a weird promotion. Like, trade-ins have always been a thing. Carriers do this. Um, Best Buy does this. Like, they, they, like they're obviously looking at the at the marketplace and they're seeing like people are going to eBay and uh, selling their old phones, and they're going on Gazelle and they're um, trying to get rid of the old iPhones to fund the new ones. So, you know, like we're Apple, let's do that, and that's totally fine. And on the iPhone XR webpage, you can be like, get up to three hundred dollars back for your old iPhone. That's great, but for the main page of your you formerly trillion dollar company to kind of misquote the price as though like you're Comcast doing like a teaser rate on a, like a, a triple play. That's just so fucking weird and beneath Apple. And, and, and it's really, really vexing and frustrating to me. And I'm not even saying like that this is a sign that Apple is doomed. Like I, I've, I've joked about that, but, or that the iPhone 10 R is, is selling horribly. But this doesn't, this either suggests that it's selling really badly or that Apple no longer has any idea what the fuck they're doing. Because a like they didn't get to this level and have the image of Apple and iPhones as being like attainable luxury items, uh, to quote it like another John Gruber phrase, by trying to do like weird stuff like, oh yeah, this phone is actually cheaper than we actually priced it at if you trade in this thing. We aren't actually going to make the phone cheaper, but we're going to like vaguely do some fuzzy Tesla math where we're going to roll in some federal tax credit and something to make it the price we think it might be if we actually didn't want 40% margins. I don't know. I just think it's dumb. And I think it's beneath Apple. And I think it's, it, it, it's, it, it's in, and, and the takes on it from the T word people are the worst part of it. But I don't know. I, I just think it's really dumb. Yeah, what do you I, think? Why? Well, lots to unpack there. I sorry that was yeah. no, no, no. That that was that was good. I, I I totally agree with the last part that you just said. Where I don't like the idea of lumping this story in with these like perpetual rumors of supply chain sources saying that the iPhone's not selling well. I that to me that's making connections where. There very well could be connections, but I, I'm still in a kind of 538 wait and see mode there. I, I need to see Betty's some pulling. <laughs> exactly. I need to see some data to actually prove that out. So I, to me, like whether or not the iPhone is selling well is irrelevant here. Because if if the iPhone was selling better than ever, which maybe it is for all we know, this would still be a bad tactic. If the iPhone was selling worse than it ever has before. This would still be a bad tactic. So, like iPhone sales numbers are not even really part of, I think, what you and I are are getting at here. This is just flat out deceiving marketing. Like to me, this is like I wouldn't say it's deceiving, but it's 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 intentionally because deceiving implies malice. Well, okay, it's it's uh, you're, okay. That's fair. I, I should have stuck with what I started the conversation with was misleading. Mm -hmm. Because misleading can be, you know, there, there's not any intent I prescribe to misleading. I mean, there could be, but there doesn't have to be. But like, what I was going to say is like, to me, this is like half a step away from iPhone XR from $35 and then putting the asterisk next to it and saying, oh, that's per month over 24 months. 
Like this is not that different from that. Or you look at a number, you see a star next to it or an asterisk next to it, and then you have to read into what that number means. And that, that that's just not, that's not a reasonable way to express pricing. Like, could, could you imagine walking into a, I, I don't know, pick some random retailer, a Cole Haan, a North Face, whatever, Macy's, whatever, mm-hmm. and looking at a price saying like, you got, you got this nice, you know, jacket that you want that's normally $200, but you see a price tag that says $100, but it has an asterisk next to it. And then in the fine print, it says, oh, trade, you can trade in last year's coat. Uh, well, or like sign up for our store credit card and you can get this for a hundred dollars like <laughs> Amazon does that. well and and i wouldn't agree with that either like yeah you're and you're totally right they do although i i would say in their defense they actually still show the original price and then show the deduction right there so it's it's not like there's this number that you then have to go look at some small text to see what it's about but in, in any case like i to me leading leading with a price that's contingent on other things happening is just not, that's not a reasonable way to, to market a product. Like even like kind of the classic mail-in rebate example, like even there, usually it was more of the Amazon example, like we just described where like you still saw like the actual cash price today. And then you saw the amount that you'd be getting back in the form of a rebate. Which to me, like that would be totally fine here. If Apple on their homepage wants to have some kind of illustration that's like, you know, here's the normal price of an iPhone XR, but depending on what existing iPhone you have, here's kind of like the net price. Like that would be fine. But but to just lead with that net price and then go, oh, by the way, like you've got to trade in your old iPhone, which mm-hmm. is buried in the small text at the bottom. That's that's not okay. It's it's, un- it, and it's unbecoming of the brand that Apple like. Again, that's the part where like I have trouble is that everybody pretends that Apple is this brand that's free of scorn and free of it, it's like it's it's very pure that that they don't ever like no bloatware no uh, they're all about your privacy they're all about like all this kind of stuff that makes them better than other companies. But this like. If like yeah, like you're saying, like if there was a big banner at the top that said up to three hundred dollars back for trading in your old iPhone, and then right below it said iPhone seven forty nine, like any reasonable person puts those two things together. But to lead with a price that is artificially low, and most people would be like, hey, that's a really reasonable price for this phone, and then they have to go find out that that's only because they're lumping in a trade in promotion to try to move some phones because they made this thing too expensive. That's what's that's what's weird. Yeah, it, it's it, it it's it's one thing for I don't know random tech company A to to do something like this, but for for Apple to do it, like I you know I actually do think that holding Apple to a higher standard actually isn't entirely unreasonable because for for a couple of reasons. One is because the way that they describe themselves, I think specifically the way that Tim. Tim Cook describes the company. You betcha. They have kind of set that expectation. And this, you know, this goes back to, I was trying to remember this today and I, I didn't have time to look up the exact um, origin of this quote, but there was some quarterly earnings or investor call where like Tim Cook alluded to something like, you know, we don't give a damn about 
you know, profits at the expense of, I don't know if he was talking <laughs> about the environment you. or, yeah, it's <laughs> like, like when you say things like that, you know, you're, you're bringing this expectation on yourself. And then, you know, there are other areas too, where I think Apple is legitimately exceptional. I, I, I think the environment, I think with data privacy, they've earned a reputation of being better than most other companies. But clearly, when it comes to, you know, the dollars and cents, as, as someone like you would say, <laughs> they're no different than everybody else. And so I think, but I think it, it just, it gets confusing because there are these specific areas where I think there's a objective case to be made that Apple is better. And then also the fact that kind of Apple markets itself or brands itself as being better you, you combine all of that and you could see why an average consumer would have the expectation that apple in general is this kind of good-natured company and so it makes something like this even worse yes and and here's the the part where i'm, I'm going to pivot this a little bit or like or i'm going to take this to a um a more extreme point and and here's where Everybody can get mad or, or or feel that this is really unfair or that it's a hyper, uh, hyperbole, but I think this says a lot about why Apple is probably um, on the wrong path. Because I think over the past couple of years, with the price increases and Apple trying to do everything they can, and I understand that's the nature of a business. They're a public company. Tim Cook has to, he's got his fiduciary responsibility. Uh, or I say this is probably not the right word, but the responsibility to shareholders to produce the, mo uh, to, to continue to grow revenues and do what's right for the company and the shareholders. Like, I, I get that. But Apple's drive to continue growing and to continue to increase prices to achieve that end, coupled with their, absolute constant drive for services revenue i think this shows that one it's really clear that apple is not the company they that people think they are and that apple is not the company that they think they are that they are just another company that happens to make nice-ish stuff and I think, like, I, I just feel like that that's super clear these days. And that the services revenue, the fact that they still, it's 2018, still only five gigs of iCloud space. The fact that, the, and, and also to, to mix stories that we may talk about later, the fact that Apple Music is going to be available on Echo devices, like that proves that Apple actually, a lot of times, like they're just going to look at a spreadsheet and see what makes them the most money. And if that means putting their services on a different device, like I think like a, a, a previous Apple would never have done that. But because Tim Cook's Apple feels that services is the only means to growth and to continue to impress Wall Street, that they're willing to do anything that continues to drive revenues. And whether that's making expensive phones or tricking themselves into thinking that they're a movie studio or screwing people on iCloud space so that they're losing their memories because they just bought a phone that cost 
that they can't fucking back up. Like, I, I think that Apple is not, is really not the, the, uh, what, what's the, the, what's the, the old timey expression of like something on a hill? Dying on a hill? The city upon a hill. Oh. That, that's the thing. Where hmm. Apple, like Apple seems to always want to paint themselves as the company that's always doing things right. And I think, so there's two things that you brought up earlier, which is privacy and the environment. I think the fact that they're an environmentally minded company is almost entirely based off the fact that they make a fuck ton of money and that they have the ability to do that because of it. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have to try to scrape together or to shave off every penny that they can to make it a product to fight for margins where LG is losing money every quarter and Samsung, depending on whether or not the, that generation of galaxy phone is a hit that their uh, mobile revenues swing wildly. And Apple doesn't have that problem. And therefore they're able to talk about uh, 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 eliminating like like all the stuff like doing all their environmental stuff it's because their stuff is so expensive that they don't have to worry about that stuff which is good i mean like that's i I would much rather them be environmentally minded than not but i think people shouldn't kid themselves that it's because they're doing it for a moral reason it's because their stuff is so expensive that they can do that and the other part about the privacy thing is because sure their margins are 36 to 40 percent on most of their products that they have the ability and I'm not saying somebody's holding a gun to somebody's head to force them to to, to abuse their customers' data in order to stay afloat, but they don't have that business pressure because they're making so much money on this other stuff. But if their phones aren't moving and they're having to do sketchy promos that try to make a $750 product sound like a $450 product, then who knows? Maybe in two years, Apple actually doesn't actually end up caring that much about your privacy. Yeah, that's... That is a phenomenal point. I, I and I I agree a, a thousand percent with that. Um, it, it's it. There's so many things in life that you're allowed to do when circumstances are right. Totally. But Whether it's it, in business or your mm-hmm. personal life. So you know what? Like I mean, everything could be growing great right now because because you're you're living on the upper east side or whatever. But like when 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 shit gets real, then eventually they might. Um, uh, slum it with uh, the Facebooks and the Googles. Right. And I think, you know, kind of like how we were maybe trying to boil down a lot of what we've said about the iPad as a computer into somewhat more simple arguments or statements, you can maybe do something similar here in the sense that I think the story in a lot of ways is as simple as there, you know, going back to like 08, 09, and like you know, 2010, forward there was this huge opportunity in the smartphone market and apple you know incredibly smartly capitalized on that and became the leader in the kind of smartphone revolution as you would say and you know we've kind of reached that inevitable point now where kind of everybody has a smartphone or at least in in many markets, everybody has a smartphone. And the type of growth that we've seen over the past decade, just it's not sustainable, just as it's not sustainable in any market. And so it's not like Apple's necessarily done anything 
wrong. I mean, they have. There's definitely been some mistakes I think they've made with the iPhone. But I think even if the iPhone XS and the iPhone 10 before it, et cetera, was like a universally considered perfect device, it would probably still not be selling as well as like the iPhone 6 did just because we're in a different phase of the smartphone growth curve. Well, like it, it, the whole thing, is, it's, it's plateauing. Like it's it's a law of yeah. large numbers and it's, it's like it, they – Apple had a once in a lifetime, like not even once in a lifetime, once in all of time. Mm-hmm. There will ne- probably never in the history of eternity. Actually, we're, no, nobody's going to make it past twenty twenty. But like, th- th- like there's not going to be another smartphone thing where literally seventy five percent of the seven billion people on Earth are going to need a smartphone, and that you're going to create an industry from nothing. And Apple happened to hit it at just the right time where developed nations were coming off the the financial crisis and a lot of things, and people were kind of getting back to having disposable income and all that kind of stuff, where selling, again, attainable luxury items in the form of a $650 smartphone that was, to their credit, way better than anything that was out there before, like that that's a thing that's not going to happen again. And Apple... I mean, they did a good job with it. They iterated hard on that product, and they they made it better every year. And even though Samsung beat them to it in terms of large screen phones, they still managed to hang on to their customer base. And when that when they made the six plus and all that kind of stuff, like just the quarter uh, quarter over quarter growth is was just absolutely insane. And they're moving tens of millions of iPhones a quarter. Like that's eventually it's going to stop. And especially with the fact that even though they're working hard to like, I I like the people inside Apple are doing great work, but they're working as hard as they can to make every generation better and better. But for a lot of people, eventually stuff becomes good enough and that's going to slow down adoption rates and, or or upgrade, uh, uh, upgrade cycle. Like it's going to lengthen out the amount of time that people keep their phones and slow down um, one and two year upgrade cycles. And the fact that that also coincided with carriers inside of the U.S. and many other countries stopping to subsidize phones on the traditional contract model exacerbates that point. So when you – Apple had two roads to take, and they've chosen we're going to stop reporting uh, unit sales, and we're going to make shit as expensive as it possibly can be until we find the breaking point with our customers. That's one of the options, and that's what they did. And that's fine. That's totally a valid strategy. But I think maybe that's part of why they're now having to um, fib about what a phone costs or do some type of like teaser rate, like it's Columbia House Records and you get six CDs for a dollar or something. Yeah, I I think it would have been much smarter for them to understand that they were going to hit this point eventually. And instead of kind of trying to find ways to perpetuate a trend, which is inevitably going to end. Instead, use your success from the last handful of years and, you know, in your parlance, pivot towards, you know, offering other services, products that capitalize on your increased market share from your your success with the iPhone. Like, to me, it it's it's kind of crazy that things like this TV service that they're working on 
and like I even like iCloud, like some of that stuff that like didn't come earlier. Like it, it is, it seems like they're 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 slow to react to the to the position that they're currently in with the iPhone. Like it feels like they kind of should have seen this coming. I think that's probably true, but I, I I'm I'm not sure I necessarily agree or, or or see that point. Like I I think. Because, like, I guess maybe I feel like the services revenue thing is slightly misguided. Like, I think certain parts of it are an absolute fit, where um, Apple Music seems like something that is in Apple's wheelhouse. Like, where even though Spotify is a better product, um, Apple Music is still a thing where they can leverage their, um, like, the power of being the default and the fact that they run a closed system that uh, the government hasn't stepped in on, that they're able to have that product start out on third base compared to everybody else. And that's great. And that, and that makes total sense for a service revenue perspective. iCloud, I would still disagree that when you're charging $1,100 for a phone that you still fuck people over on uh, five gigs of storage space. I think definitely there should be a level that's paid, but I think that that part is still kind of weird. And I like, I think like they've always, from the minute iCloud was available, they always had paid tiers, right? They weren't just like five gigs and you're out. I, yeah, I think so. So I think like, I mean, iCloud is like, they're, they're, they're doing what they can with that. Like they should probably make some updates to it and maybe make like, make it like 20 gigs free. And then, cause like if you're somebody who relies on iCloud photo library, you're still going to end up paying, but you just, you don't feel as screwed by it. But I guess like you, you brought up a point like where do you actually feel that the, um, the TV stuff is the right path? I I actually do. I I know this is an area that we disagree. But to me, the play that Apple has now is they have this huge audience that they didn't have pre-iPhone. And it's an audience that few companies can replicate. So why not use that audience and create services and products that specifically kind of reach them and connect with them and actually i actually do think a service like apple's rumored tv service is exactly something like that where like it wouldn't be possible for apple to offer something like that in a pre-iphone world but now that they exist in a kind of not post-iphone world but in a mature iphone world that's exactly the type of thing they should be doing not marketing 449 iphones yeah i I, yeah i i won't go into it because it's gonna take a while like like i i i disagree like i know that we're not living in a world where the people who are writing xcode are now making tv shows like i know that like that's they they have enough resources where that's not a thing but i guess like i just don't see where that fits like i don't see where they can't just be content to be the people skimming 30 percent of every transaction like why why not make it so that somebody else does that because that's what they do, and you just take a cut because you cemented yourself as the gatekeeper. I feel like that's just as valid, and it's way easier. And you don't have to have your weird like Apple moralistic thing where no nudity, no foul language, and like that kind of stuff. Like where Apple is imparting their morals and based off of customer preferences and stuff is probably going to end up making a worse product because of it. Anyway, it's weird. Uh, so people can go to apple.com and they can uh, print out that page and take it into an Apple store and ask for their 449 iPhone. <laughs> um, 
And also, we'll wrap up this subject. But again, you go to Apple.com, you see that iPhone XR thing, and they're like, okay, that's kind of weird. And also, sorry, the other evolution of this, and I can't, I've been looking for it and I can't find the tweet. But somebody posted a scre- three different screenshots of, because from day one, it was a really tiny bar at the top. And then it expanded to like four lines of text. So it maybe took up like a, a fifth of the, the home screen page. And now it's literally the entire page. So it's like, they're like, okay, you know, fine, we're going to do this. Like, fine, marketing guy, sales are a little bit sluggish. Let's give it a shot. And then like, uh-oh, it's kind of moving, but it's not moving enough. Let, and let, then there's like, fuck it, let's, let's go for it. Let's, let's just abandon all of our, our principles. But you see that in the 449 thing. And then you scroll down, iPhone XS from 699. It just keeps going. Like even the really overpriced top of the line, best of the best iPhone is also being artificially underpriced. Madness. Not great. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think we've got, we've got time for one more topic and then show special. Uh, I haven't even looked at the outline. (laughs) Uh, AirPods in 2020. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, I want let's table the Amazon stuff because okay. I do think the the story about and I and I find this doubly funny just because you have a weird relationship with pop sockets or or lack thereof <laughs> is that the entire story from Recode was about pop sockets. I'm like, yes. Ugh. Um, I know you're not an Android person, but and it will like I'm, I want thirty seconds for this. Do, what what is what is Google's messaging thing? Like I, well, I, I thought I, Hangouts. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, but like I, I genuinely this, this isn't a joke. I thought Hangouts was a feature that started in Gmail, and then I thought just Hangouts was just like an app, like where it was kind of like Facebook Messenger. Apparently, it's not, or it won't continue to be because it's getting canceled in a year. And then they also have a thing called Allo and Duo. I don't know what those are, but apparently those are getting canceled too. So what does Google have? What is I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I it, like if if the news was just they're shutting down Hangouts, then I think the takeaway is okay. They're embracing Allo or Duo or or both as their messaging platform, which is which is kind of what people expected them to do when they first announced those other platforms. But now that news coupled with news that they're shutting down these other services, yeah, leaves them in a space where. It's not really clear what, if anything, they're going to do on the messaging front. And it kind of feels like they have to do something. Like the one of the world's leading email providers can't just not have an instant messaging service. Like that just seems weird. Yeah, especially since Slack killed email. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird. Um do you do you are you a a Hangouts user? No, no. Hmm. I do. Every, I do everything. Like I'm an old person. I use email. I use plain old text messaging and iMessage, and I'm on like four different Slacks, and that's it. Hmm. Like Hangouts. Like I don't know. And I also this is gonna sound weird. I have literally never used Facebook Messenger. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I don't use it a lot, but I've used it. I've used it occasionally. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Um. I just, and also I feel like that's, that was a smart move because uh, Facebook has uh, proven that it, Facebook's having a year. Everybody's having a year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I'm scrolling through all this stuff. Like, a lot of this is interesting, but uh, Dunkin' Donuts got hacked. The Chinese hacked Marriott. Um, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about your Christmas lights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's and yeah, let's let's okay. talk about some home automation stuff and some smart home stuff. Okay. Yeah. I, I like I like that. All right. So I've found the one good use for HomeKit, which is turning on and off your Christmas lights with a single command or on a single timer or some combination thereof. So, you know, one, one of the challenges with all this smart home stuff, when I'm, I'm not saying anything that's kind of not obvious, which is there's all these different companies and standards where... You know, if you've got some smart switches from Wemo, but then you also have some other smart switches from a company like iHome or the, you know, thousands of other products that are out there, if you want to create a single action that controls all of those devices, you you can't do that using just their standard software because the Wemo app is just going to talk to your Wemo switches. The iHome app is just going to talk to your iHome devices etc. So in setting up our Christmas lights for the first time here at the new house, you know, I, I, my, my vision was to have a single voice command or a single timer, be able to turn on all the lights inside and out. And, you know, there's, there's just not a single set of products that's going to encompass things like being able to work outdoors and indoors. So you're going to need to embrace some kind of weird combination of products, which which we did to to make this happen. And you know, HomeKit is kind of the one platform along, I guess, along with the you know the Amazon stuff, and I, I guess the Google stuff. Although I just don't have a lot of experience with that, which brings this stuff together. And you know, HomeKit actually, that this is you know, putting up all these Christmas lights. This has been kind of the first time that I've really gotten into the the weeds again, as you would say, on this stuff. And it's 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 pretty good, and it kind of does exactly what you want it to do, which is bring together all these disparate smart home platforms into a single UI and be able to issue you know, consolidated commands and timers to, to control all those different devices. Like it's, it's kind of neat to, regardless of the brand or type of smart home device to basically all have it be the same icon in the same app and then be able to c- combine those in lots of different ways. That's a, uh, that's actually a pretty neat thing. So I'm sorry, remind me of what, um, you said it's Wemo or which, which one are you using? So yeah, so so specifically to the, the setup that we have, it's it's actually kind of the theoretical example I just laid out. So we've got four Wemo switches, which are indoor smart plugs, and then I've got two, and I'll I'll send you a link and put this in the notes. I've got two of these um, iHome smart outdoor plugs because the the thing with Wemos are that they're not outdoor rated and i i suppose you could probably put one of those outside but i don't know to me messing with electrical stuff that's not outdoor rated <laughs> and putting it outside is just generally not a good idea um, some electrical tape i'm sure it's fine <laughs> right um so i i've purchased a i've actually got three of these now these iHome 
smart outdoor plugs. Two of them now are operating. Yeah. Is this the, the iPod dock company? Yeah, it is. That's so weird slash interesting. Okay. Yeah. And these, these, these outdoor smart plugs, they will not probably ever be a, um, chef's special. (laughs) They're, they're really not the best. They're somewhat unreliable. The integration this kind of looks with, like something you'd get on Kickstarter. Yeah. The integration both with HomeKit and the lady in the can is uh it's, it's yeah, it's just it's just not very reliable, unfortunately. There's a lot of unplugging and plugging back in involved. <laughs> um seems that seems like counterintuitive to the smart home part. Yeah, but they're but they're kind of the only game in town when it comes to outdoor rated smart plugs i i haven't seen any other options so you know so here we are and i I mean actually in general they work they work pretty well and and also i would say in fairness i've I've had similar issues with the wemo plugs i mean smart home stuff in general sucks i think we can all kind of agree on that um but yeah so in, in any case i've got two of these operating the outdoor lights and then four Wemo switches operating the indoor lights. And so I've got a I've got them on a timer which turns them on at sunset because that's another neat thing that HomeKit can do and, and a lot of the smart home stuff can do which is if you want to set a timer, you don't have to actually specify a specific time. You can literally just say something like, "Hey, at sunset," which obviously changes a bit every day, turn these lights on. And then I can either turn them off with a you know single button tap in the HomeKit app, or I've also got those same set of lights grouped in the Lady in a Can app, and so I can issue a voice command to say, you know, turn off the Christmas lights, and then all of those devices will turn off. So that's pretty neat. Although I did have a, I don't, I don't think you've ever seen Christmas Vacation, but there's a moment in that movie where Clark, the main character, you know, he spends basically the entire weekend setting up his Christmas lights. He brings his entire family out into the cold Chicago night to demo turning the lights on for the first time. He goes to plug them in and none of them work. I had the same thing happen to me where I spent like eight hours last Sunday (laughs) setting up our Christmas lights, went to, you know, issue the lady in a can voice command to turn them all on. And like two of the six outlets <laughs> turned on and the other four didn't. And it like it was one of those things where I was exhausted. I was like, you know what? I'm just not gonna not gonna deal with this tonight. I'll come back to come back to this tomorrow. It ended up being that if I just unplugged one of these smart one of these iHome plugs and then plugged it back in, that caused the rest of them to start working and it it's been working fine since then. <laughs> so does this mean you have lights on the outside of your house or sorry like that you like you went out with a ladder and a nail gun and oh, not a yeah well it, next year that nail gun might be involved because this year we um costco had a, a special on these just like outdoor rated command hooks and they've actually been working better than i expected them to i, I came in with very low expectations but they were cheap and they were easy to put up mm-hmm. and this is my first year as a homeowner so it's kind of like oh, all right i'll just do do this and it's been fine. But yeah, no, I about half of that eight hours was spent like just prepping stuff. 
So I, you know, borrowed the father-in-law's extension ladder and oh yeah. Does does he have a does he have a truck? Yeah, he does. Okay. I'm like (laughs) strapping an extension ladder to the top of your model three. No, no, no. We did that we did not do that. Uh and also in your since you're a product of Orange County, uh icicle lights or regular lights? Icicle lights, of course. (laughs) Well actually, I mean, so both. I mean, we've got there's, you know, (laughs) there's icicle lights on the on the roof line. There are regular lights in the trees that are out front. And then there are also, and this is new for me, there's also these like netting lights that you oh, can just Oh, we used to have those. You could yeah. just throw them on a bush and it just, yeah. Yeah. So we've got, we've got those on the, the front hedges. So, yeah. Uh, well, I actually think me... it, it, I actually think it came out pretty nice. I don't think I. Oh, no, I'm I sure it did. You can send me a picture. I, I, I will send you a picture right now. Uh. That was the perfect answer. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, that's pretty good. Um, all classic white, no multicolored lights, right? Oh, no, no. The, uh, the ones in the, um, the bushes and the hedges are color, and the icicle lights are, you know, white. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sending you, sending you a picture in the thing. Ooh. There's actually a little bit more that's been added since that photo was taken. The the windows that are on kind of the left side of the picture there, those have lights on the inside of them now too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think they're actually, nice. They, they came out pretty nice, yeah. Yeah, like your wreath as well. Uh, I, I think that's just, that's just the windows and the door. No, you have a wreath. Do How we? How do you not notice this? A wreath? Where's the wreath? On the door... Oh well, that that's still from that's still from Halloween. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was like, we Never haven't bought mind. one for Christmas yet. No, that that's still just from Halloween. Oh dear. Um. Well, this looks very very nice. Thank you. But you can you can you can see there like the um the peak in the roof there in the front is it's fairly tall. That's that's where the uh, <laughs> that's where the extension ladder got involved. This is this this I, I I'm proud. This is very tasteful, but also it's it's adequately elaborate. Can I so I can I share a somewhat related story just you know because we like to talk about random like home ownership stuff on this show occasionally. So as as I was hanging the Christmas lights, something that I noticed that you just you know you don't think of prior to being a homeowner, our gutters were just completely full of leaves and sticks and stuff, which is you know which is not good. You're supposed to keep your your gutters clean. So then. I got to spend another handful of hours uh, this pre- this last weekend cleaning out our gutters. Not just not something I would have expected to be doing, you know, a year ago. But but here we are. Well, I'm surprised you didn't buy the luge. Oh, what's that? Again, Orange, Orange County. You, uh, you, your beloved iRobot, Roomba Maker, makes a uh, gutter cleaner. Oh. <gasps> Have you, how have you not seen this? I, so the L O O J this, oh oh my God. So this is (laughs) no, what, what's crazy about this is as I was doing this on Sunday, I was literally going to text you. Here's our million dollar idea. Smart (laughs) gutter cleaner. Just think. I'm not sure this is smart. I just think it's electric electric. So what is, how does this, what is, oh, wow. Ooh, 500 RPMs. This is this is cool. No, close this. You don't need to spend this. Oh no, this is this is cool. 
luge travels down your gutter on its own, sensing and adapting to debris in order to provide the most effective cleaning. I apologize to your wife in advance. So you know, you know what, you know what, you buy me for Christmas now. No, this is gonna be a reaches far a... into your gutter, so you don't have to. Increased range with remote control handle. All right, all right, it's chef special. <laughs> this, I think this is actually this is my chef special. No. I robot luge three thirty. You get you're getting a frunk full of dog toys. That's a <laughs> your gift. Um, um, no, so I, I'm gonna do okay. So yeah, let, let's get into chef special here. So I'm I'm gonna do something that I don't think we've ever done before, which is so you made a chef special on our last episode, and I've since. I've since purchased it. Oh, is is, is the lowdown is the lowdown getting a chef special? Uh, well, the 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 low, not the low. Oh, down. you you have the the Gen two. You have the one where you have the three GS of wallets. Is is yours called the low down? Yeah, because mine has two card slots in the front. Yours has three or four. Right, mine has three. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's a great wallet. It's mm-hmm. really nice. Um. It has a really nice feel to it. It's very soft. It's very thin. The three card slots works perfectly for me because it's, you know, it's my ID and then I've got two credit cards that I predominantly use. So having three card slots easily accessible to me just makes a lot of sense. I also like the ability to have a handful of other cards that, you know, I only occasionally use, but kind of always want to have with me, like, you know, like my tesla access card so that when the phone app fails i've got something with me although i've still never actually had to use that um you know my health insurance card etc but then it's also got another slot on the other side which this was going to be the big test which is where i put my clipper card mm-hmm. and you know i for the first time yesterday morning i went to use that to get on to my form of public transportation and <clears throat> sufficiently vague uh-huh worked like a charm which was great uh did not have to you know open the wallet or anything just literally took it out of my pocket tapped it against the reader and it was good to go which was something that was not working very well in my old wallet so yeah overall really really nice it it's a it's a tad bigger than i thought it was going to be it's very thin but it's a little wider than i thought it was going to be um but that's, I think that's okay. I think I'm going to just learn to to live with that. But over, overall, very nice. Good, good recommendation. Good, good. Glad you like it. Um, I don't have one. So I'm going to look at my little note file and see if I have. Um, nope, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of like minor things, but the thing is I have, um, I just got a new desk and a whole bunch of stuff related Ooh. to a new desk. But the thing is, I can't. I, I, it hasn't been long enough, so well, I don't. Give know. me, give me a link to the desk. I want to see this. It's, it's a Coco Bolo desk. What'd you call me? You don't remember that from Better Call Saul? He goes to that law firm that Ed Begley Jr. works at, and he wants a Coco Bolo desk. I don't remember. It's that. a specific type of Honduran wood. Hmm. Anyway, so I, I will share. I'll, I'll probably, yeah, it's got just got delivered recently. I should probably take a picture and put it on somewhere. Yeah, I, I want I want to see it. Yeah, so I'll send that to you soon. I'm uh, I'm not a minimalist desk person, but I think this one's pretty pretty nice. So yeah, I'll 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 send that and I'll have it for next week. Okay. Yeah, but until then, yeah, we've got we got we should point out one more show in 2018. <laughs> um, and then we we say goodbye to this year. Mm-hmm. And then everything's gonna be great next year. Mm-hmm. It's all good. 
you know, the Democrats are going to solve it all. Right. The internet apparently likes Nancy Pelosi now. Apparently. Democrats are really fickle. <laughs>